Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. Hello everyone, it's Shannon and I am here to have a fantastic time talking about books with all of you. First up, we have an interview. This time, I'm talking with author A.N. Giver about a fantastic post-apocalyptic series called Undead Age. We talk about zombies, we talk about the role of the apocalypse in people's COVID-19 reading, we talk a little bit about cats because of course we do, like why would we not, and we talk about what she's reading. This was a lot of fun and I really enjoy being able to bring on an author who talks about zombies because we don't talk about zombies quite enough here on Book Bistro. So... Let's get right into this. We will move into the housekeeping information, get started with the interview, and once all that is done, I will talk to you about this week's new releases. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am talking with author A.M. Giver about her Undead Age series. The third book was released on May 25th here in the U.S., but I'm guessing that we won't talk too much about the third book for fear of spoilers. But thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. You are very welcome. Can we start with kind of a brief introduction to, I'm guessing you'll want to kind of talk about the series as a whole rather than just like dive right into the third book. Oh, sure. Yeah, because um, most people, if they haven't heard of me, the third book really isn't going to be of much interest to them. Um, no. No, no, not. Hopefully, at least not yet. Um, Not yet. <laughs> so um, The Undead Age is a, a post-apocalyptic uh, zombie uh, trilogy. Um, so the trilogy is complete, which is nice for people who, you know, if they find a book they like, they can just power through the whole thing. Um, yes. You know, yeah, that's always so nice when you don't have to wait. Um, it only took me three years to get there. But hey, they're It's now. okay. Now they're <laughs> all here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the uh, the story is the first book in the Undead Age is called Love in an Undead Age. And um, it is set 10 years after the Zompok. 
which makes it a little different than a lot of books um, that are set in a world with zombies because a lot of people write about the beginning and when it's happening. But I was a little more interested at the time in you know, how things would play out and what kind of societies might you know, spring up. So, um, so the main character in my book is a woman called Miranda Tucci, who, you know, has um, has survived and uh, and has some, you know, emotional and mental health scars because of that. Because you know, it's a pretty traumatic event. It's pretty much every no one has come through unscathed. Some people more so than others. And uh, Miranda is a is an urban farmer, and she has. Uh, She's in San Jose, California, and basically, and, and the way I set it up in, in my world is that because they were in Silicon Valley, once the dust settled, the geek factor of Silicon Valley kicked in because, you know, you had enough people there to kind of keep things going in a way that didn't cause the standard of living to regress very much. You know, they still have cars, they still have electricity, they, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of the modern amenities that, you know, most, most uh, worlds uh, in this genre, you know, immediately lose and, you know, don't ever get back. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe after a long time. So, um, but anyway, in this world, there is a cure for the zombie virus, um, but because of uh, a falling out among the people who were developing it, one group has it, one group doesn't. The group that has it has become very corrupt and repressive, and the other group uh, with whom Miranda is allied, um, this community of Jesuit priests at a, at a university in the area, um, they have a plan afoot to try and steal the vaccine and, and make it widely available to therefore make the other group irrelevant. And Miranda gets pulled into this plot. Um, so, um, you know, and along the way, you know, she has, you know, a, a former lover pop up who she has some unfinished business with. And um, of course, everything goes terribly awry. Um, and uh, which makes for a much more exciting adventure as you know this group tries to to pull off this caper and uh, in a group of people who don't necessarily have the best personal dynamics because of, of past history. I was struck when I read um, the first book in the series by sort of the um, the, the lack of change in terms of how these people were living. Like there were obviously some things that they weren't able to do, but by and large, you know, like you said, the fact that they have electricity, the fact that like technology did not fail mm -hmm. um, in the way that it did or in the way that it does like so often in this genre. And I'm curious, as you were writing it, was that something that you purposely decided that you wanted technology to sort of give them this kind of higher standard of living than we normally see in post-apocalyptic fiction. Um, yeah, absolutely. I definitely did that intentionally. Um, you know, at the time I was living in San Jose where the story is set and, um, and my husband has worked in tech for close to 30 years. Um, and he's, he's done almost anything you can think of. And he's worked for a lot of the really big players in the different industries like Oracle and Cisco and, Red Hat and uh, you know a lot of the really big tech companies, um, and uh, you know, and he was the one who had the idea that you know 
after the dust settled, you could have enough smart people survive with access to materials, um, you know, that are already there that they could make something of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and keep things running in a particular way, you know, and there, there are some things that, you know, that they did, you know, um, that were kind of, I was able to do because they were just accidents with geography, you know, the Lawrence Living right. Labs aren't that far from, from, um, from the Bay Area. And, you know, in, in my book, <clears throat> excuse me, and in, in, in my world, you know, they've been able to get out to that nuclear power plant and get power to the valley, you know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it wasn't something that happened immediately, but it was something they were able to put together. And part of, so part of it was his suggestion, but part of it too was like, if I'm going to have a world where, you know, they're able to develop a vaccine and not just one vaccine, but two, you know, one where if you, if you're given it, it's preventative, even if you get bitten by a zombie, you'll never turn into one. Um, you can be eaten by one, but you, you won't turn but into one. But you won't turn, right. Right. And a second vaccine, which if you get it within a particular period of time after a bite, you can arrest the development of the disease, but you're stuck with having to take it forever, you know? Um, uh-huh. You know, if you're going to, if I was going to have a world where that was possible, they couldn't have regressed a hundred years technologically. It just right. would beggar belief. Right because then who would be developing these vaccines and, and how yeah yeah you know no technology exactly exactly and it, and it um it also you know created a great contrast for me too because you know they have to leave and uh they have to leave this very protected place um to try and accomplish this um this plan and um so it, i also got to show you know different uh, the, the way it had changed in other places versus, you know, what, what they were, um, what they were experiencing. So what made you decide that post-apocalyptic fiction was what you wanted to write? You know, it's kind of funny. Um, I, I've always, I mean, I read a wide variety of, of fiction, you know, um, growing up, I read tons of science fiction and fantasy um, you know, as well as just, you know, I mean, like, I love the Little House books. I probably read each one of them. Ah, uh, yes. Times. Yeah, you know, so, so, you know, like, so, and, and, you know, I've read literary fiction and women's fiction and, you know, all kinds of mysteries, you know, so I, it's not the only genre I, I read by a long shot, um, which is good because it would probably make me very boring um, if that was the case. But, um, but uh, I, um, I decided when I first was writing that what I was going to do was I was going to write a chick lit book, you know, and uh, because I was really intimidated at the prospect of writing an entire book. And so I thought to myself, oh, well, you know, I could write one of those chick lit books. They're not hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the arrogance. So, um, so anyway, so, you know, I, I, I got to, 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 to work with, you know, a, um, with a premise about, you know, woman and a man and the whole nine yards. And, and I kept coming up with these terrible ideas. I mean, they oh. were just really lame. 
And I would tell my, because I don't read a lot of chiclet. Like I've read it at the beach. I've grabbed a couple at the airport when I forgot my book, you know, back in the day before Kindles. Sure. You know, and I've enjoyed them They're They've been great, but it's not what I read by and large. I mean, like I could count maybe on two hands and still have fingers left the number of chiclet books I've read. And guess what? They're not that easy to write. So, um, and they're not that easy to write when you don't read it. So, you know, I'm coming up with like lame idea after lame idea. And I'm telling my husband, you know, my latest bad idea. And he'd be like, eh, that's pretty bad, you know? And, um, and, you know, and he was right. So one day I were driving home from work and I'm on a Friday and I'm telling him my latest idea, which sucked. And, um, and, uh, and I said, oh, too bad it can't have zombies in it. And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, that's what I should be writing. So um, because I love, you know, the aspects of the survival after a disaster, because it's it's not for me, yes. it's, not, it's not the disaster. You know, there's all kinds of different disasters you can have. Um, and within the genre, there's all kinds of stuff from like zombies to nuclear wars, whatever, you know, and some have supernatural elements, some don't. But it's they all have the common theme of you know, what do people do to survive afterward? And that's what I find interesting. Um, I find, you know, and like one thing that people who aren't familiar, especially with like the zombie genre per se, is that, you know, zombie books aren't about zombies, the vast majority of them. It's um, true. You know, you get the occasional person who writes a book from the, the point of view of the zombie, like, um, Oh, what was that one with the guy who who comes back warm bodies you know um like that's an exception but um great book by the way but um, generally generally the zombies it, are like the backdrop yeah exactly the zombies are the 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 obstacle the calamity and they're the um the, the thing that people have to work around but they're they're not what the story is about the story is about the people and you know what do people end up doing to survive and what kind of choices do they make and how do those choices affect them? And, um, and that's, that's what I like about post-apocalyptic fiction. And um, it never occurred to me to lose the romance element or the love story element because, you know, basically, you know, uh, it, I'm of the opinion that everybody loves a good love story. I, I certainly think that you know, even stories that you don't necessarily think of as a love story often have, you know, some kind of a love story in it. And, um, you know, because people, you know, really desire that connection, um, you know, not just in general, but, you know, with a romantic partner. And I certainly find stories that have, you know, it's not the main thing, but, you know, it's there. I, I generally find those more compelling. So um, I would agree with that. Yeah, so that's how I, uh, I mean, you know, it's just so funny you hear about like someone's dating, you hadn't know, known about it, and you're like, oh, really? When did that happen? Uh, you know, you, you want to know what the story is. So, um, so, so that's how I ended up like kind of doing this, um, this combination of, of, um, of post-apocalyptic um, and also, I have must offer a hearty apology to all the chiclet writers out there whom I thought what they did was easy because I had no idea. It's totally not. <laughs> I'm guessing that there's not really any type of book that you could write that you could just say like, oh, 
this is, this is not hard. I'll just, you know, sit here and do this. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once you get into it, it's like, oh, it's, it's writing a book and it has all the same challenges, uh, no matter, uh, no matter how, what the genre is or how clear your idea is, you always hit the thorny parts of trying to figure out characterization and making worlds and characters who are real and alive and something that people get emotionally invested in. So have you read kind of a wide variety of post post apocalyptic fiction, either kind of alongside your own writing or sort of in between your books? Um, oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, probably one of the first series I I remember reading, like that I can think of, like right off the top of my head. Um, there's a writer called S. M. Sterling, and he primarily writes kind of uh, alternate history and um, you know post-apocalyptic and science fiction. And he wrote this series called the Change series, and um, the first book in that series is called Dies the Fire. And uh, he, in his, so, you know, his was the, and, and his was a, a supernatural event happens, which causes electricity throughout the world to just not work anymore. And it also causes, it kind of changes the laws of physics a little bit. And it also, um, and nobody knows what it is, you know, they just call it the change. And, um, and it also causes gunpowder uh, to not burn at the right rate. So guns don't work either. So, so, you know, so, and then he ends up incorporating some mystical and fantastical elements into it too. But, you know, he wrote this great series and like the first six books were great. Then he kind of jumped the shark, which was unfortunate because I really liked it. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, sometimes people run out of steam and they just don't realize it. Um, but, um, you know, so yes, certainly, you know, that's one of the first ones I remember reading. Um, within the genre, there are different authors I like. Like, I mean, I wish I could be M.R. Carey, the, the author who wrote The Girl with All the Gifts. That's just ah, yes. fantastic book. Um, Sarah Lyons Fleming is one yes. of my favorites for Zompok. She, oh, she, Sarah Lyons Fleming. Sarah's just the best. And, and, she and she's, she's also, you know, become a a good writing friend. Um, and, um, you know, I really like, uh, Lindsay Pogue. Um, you know, she writes, uh, kind of, uh, post-apocalyptic and, you know, also some like alternate history and universe, uh, books. So, um, and like, um, I love Rhiannon Freighter. She oh, kind of, I, her, um, last bastion of the living just like blew my mind. And then when I read that she had dreamed the whole story and just like wrote <laughs> the whole thing from a dream, I was like, she's got a way better dream life than I have. Um, you know, I really so liked so her as yeah. the world dies, um, the, the trilogy. And then she wrote a fourth book, um, in that series that just came out like in 2020, I think. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and uh, but like, sh she's really great. So and actually, one of my absolute favorite authors, hands down, um, is Margaret Atwood, who, who has written just so many different kinds oh, yes. of kinds of of stories, you know, contemporary, post-apocalyptic science fiction. And, you know, she's written some really great, you know, dystopian um, and post-apocalyptic uh, books that are 
I mean, anything she writes is great. I bet her laundry list is great. So, you know, she's, she's just fabulous. I feel like there are, there's a bit of a, a division, I feel like, in sort of the post-apocalyptic readers, those who accept romance in this world and those who would rather it not be there. Mm -hmm. And for me, I find there are certainly some some good post-apocalyptic stories that don't have romance in them. But similar to what you were saying, I, I find it much more compelling when there is that sort of, um, I don't know, just kind of a, a subplot even, mm -hmm. where you get the sense that people are at least like having hope of, of survival and kind of planning you know, their way forward. And very often that does include like looking to, you know, who do you love and, and how do you, how do you cultivate this kind of relationship in a changed world? Yeah, I, I agree. Cause there definitely, um, there definitely is kind of a divide where I, I generally, generally think of it as like um, guns and, um, you know, like not romance, but but something that's a, I'm probably gonna insult people now, but something that's a little more inclusive of the human experience versus the idea of like tactical yes. uh, survival kind of stuff. And, um, and, and I mean, for me personally, the, since I like to explore, I, I think every writer, no matter what they're writing, a basic curiosity about what makes people tick is why they write or a big part of why they write and um in the stuff that doesn't have some kind of element of how do we rebuild and how do we connect um that you know that's absent in that and so i don't find that you know compelling and the thing is it doesn't have to be a romance you know it can be about um because when well, I always use I, I make a big distinction between romances and love stories. Um, yes. Because because see, I I actually don't read a, very much romance at all. Um, I, I read the occasional romance, but um, romance isn't my genre. But 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 I love a love story in in a in a book, you know. And but the love story doesn't have to be about romantic love. It can be about a parent and a child or sure. you know, it can be about your your a friend. Um, you know, it can be about a pet. Um, you know, it can be about an idea. So um so you know, but that dedication to either another person or an ideal where a person will really put themselves on the line or where a person can't put themselves on the line, which, you know, is a whole nother kind of, oh, yes. of, of story um, or, you know, just can't get past whatever it is that, that is holding them back. Um, you know, that as someone who's, who's always been curious about like what makes people tick and are people good or bad or, you know, because people are capable of such wonderful things and such horrible things. Um, that's what I find interesting. As the pandemic kind of hit us last year, I found myself really drawn to post-apocalyptic fiction in a way that surprised me because, you know, as things were changing in the actual world that we were living in, 
um, I found that I couldn't really focus for a while on some of the things that I normally read. Like I couldn't settle in in quite the same way to like a mystery or a romance or even like an urban fantasy. And so I found myself reading just so much post-apocalyptic fiction during those first few months of the pandemic. And I was kind of like, wow, you know, I'm like, why am I reading this? Am I like looking for uh, like ways to <laughs> to survive this if suddenly the <laughs> zombies come? And I think that's for me, like what it was like seeing that, okay, like things happen and yet in these worlds that authors create, like there are people who survive mm-hmm. and who make it through. And that was, I think in, in an odd way, sort of a, a hopeful thing um, for me and for a lot of people that I know who are avid readers. Um, I feel like there was just like a, a big uptick in how much post-apocalyptic fiction was being consumed. Um, you know, I've heard that from other people and, you know, I also think too, it's, it's, um, you know, things could be a lot worse, you know, and, you know, when you read those things, it kind of almost gives you a yardstick of like, yes, okay, so this is where I'm at and this is where these people are at and this is really difficult and challenging and what's going on right now, but you know, it could be worse and worse. And I mean, also like post-apocalyptic fiction, it's just really escapist, you know, it it pulls you, which isn't bad, you know, Um, you know, because, you know, it just pulls you out of your world and you get to, to inhabit this place that, you know, you get to leave whenever you want. So, you know, if it gets a little too much for you, you know, all you got to do is put your book or your e-reader or down or turn off your your phone if you're doing audio and um you know you can leave it at any time but you know it 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 just allows you to like I I think too another one of the things that people like about post-apocalyptic fiction of any stripe is that it takes all these things that are true but that are not quite as don't seem as urgent and it makes very stark choices um, yes. you know, like, yeah, you could lose a loved one at any time, but we don't think that way because if you did, you, you just couldn't function, but no, you were always thinking like, Oh, disaster, like it could happen. Yeah. At any it, time. It, it could any time, but you know, we, we, we don't, you know, you don't go, most of us don't go around, you know, living in a state of constant anxiety. So, I mean, some people do, which must be very challenging, but you know, the vast majority of people, you know, you, you go through your day and um, you, uh, you, you know, you live your life and, and you aren't thinking about, you know, someone could, you know, this is going to be the last time I see them. But, you know, if there's a plague out there or there are zombies out there or, you know, there's this calamity where it's suddenly uh, very present and, and, you know, the choices you have to make sometimes are very stark. Um, these are still the kind of things you do in regular life, but they're just not as present or in your face or as um, just as urgent as they are in that, that um, kind of fiction. And I also think that's another thing that people like about it is like, it just takes all the regular things of life and it just puts them into super hyper focus. Um, And, 
you know, and, and it allows you to, you know, try measure yourself and try and figure out, you know, well, what would I do, you know, because it's, it's easy to say what you would do until you, you're in a situation, <clears throat> you know, whether it's, you know, hitting a squirrel or, you know, <laughs> you know, confronting, you know, uh, a really big problem in a relationship, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, this is what I do. This, that's what I do. And, you know, then you're in it and you're like, oh, wow, this is really, maybe that's not I what thought. I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you have finished the, the undead age trilogy, what do you sort of see as, as coming next? Um, I've got a couple projects in the work um, works The the next thing, like I, I'm, I'm going to write another trilogy or more in the undead age universe, but. Oh, good. <laughs> well, that's Yay. good um, But it's not going to be with these characters. It's going to be set at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Um, you know, I've come up with a way to write about it that I, I find interesting. That was, I mean, that was another reason I didn't want to write the first series you know, at the beginning, because, you know, there are so many people who've done it and done it well. And at the time, I just didn't feel like I could contribute anything. Um, but I've come up with a story that I think is interesting to me anyway. Um, so I'm going to be working on that. I'm also, I mean, I've got that all plotted out. I just need to finish pulling together my office. I, I'm pulling together a new writing space and um, get cracking on that, um, hopefully this week. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm also working on developing an urban fantasy series. I mean, I, I just love oh, urban, fantasy. urban fantasy. Yeah, urban fantasy is just the best. Charles DeLint, it was my introduction to urban fantasy and he's still like my gold standard. Um, uh, but um, but I mean, there's tons of great urban fantasy out there. Oh, but there is so much. He's, he's my, I mean, he actually liked a review of mine on BookBub and I ran upstairs and was squealing like a squirrel to my husband. You know, <laughs> with like that like practically yes. jumping, jumping up and down I just couldn't even believe it I like printed it out so I could frame it um I was just like oh my god oh my god um but yeah I, I'm developing an urban fantasy series that um is going to take some substantial kitty cat yeah that's going to take a little more work developing it but but I've, I've finally come up with a premise for a main character so that at least I've also got a, a pandemic um story that I I actually wrote it as a short story and thought oh you know what I've got a I've got a story here that I could tell it'll be more um YA just because of the the age of the character I generally I, I like to read YA but uh, funnily enough being at 52 I am not the target audience for YA necessarily and I, find I feel like so many people who aren't the target audience of YA like still end up reading it Oh, absolutely. And it's just and like this amazing thing. Like I'll, I'll be 41 in July and I still love so much YA. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. There's also a lot of it I don't like, and it's not that it isn't good. It's just that I'm too old for it, you know, and I know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I know that like a teacher could never get away with acting like that. They'd get fired, you know, <laughs> or, they, they should. You know, yes. You know, yes. so there, but uh, you know, as a teenager, you wouldn't necessarily know that, but you know, uh, as an adult with more life experience and some of the conventions of YA, I find, um, a bit too, 
Pollyanna in terms of what might happen in, in a real life situation versus what happens in the stories. Um, but anyway, long story short, I'm going to end up writing this, this series. The pandemic, um, it's kind of funny. I was actually way more excited about writing this pandemic series than the new Undead Age series until I started plotting ah. uh, the Undead Age, the new Undead Age one. And I, I, I got super duper excited about it. Um, and, you know, now I've had this like total brainwave about how to proceed with my urban fantasy. So, so the poor pandemic story is kind of taken a back burner. Um, okay. Well, you know, it'll be yeah, there. So, but, but I'm, tr I'm going to try, I mean, I really want to crank on the Undead Age series, but I also oh, I so. to work on the, um, the work on the urban fantasy at the same time. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> So I have can. to ask you, is that a zombie hunting cat? Um, she is a bug hunting cat. <laughs> she, she is a, you know, it's, it's funny. Her name's Chiana. And when she, she's a gray fluffy cat. And when she was a kitten, she was like this tiny little thing, but she was always really fearless. And I came out one night, we lived in this place that, that there wasn't a screen in the one window. Ooh. And, and uh, yeah, and I come out one night and there's my husband holding up the kitten in one hand to the ceiling. <laughs> Why? Like, what are you doing? And he said, oh, we're bug hunting. So like he would, he would oh. just hold her up and she would go after the bugs because they were on the ceiling. And like she, hold, she was so little, he could hold her up in one hand. And she was so fearless and trusted him implicitly that she would just be <laughs> up there with both paws getting these bugs. And um, and as she got bigger, he had to use two hands. But it's funny because to this day, you pick her up and the first thing she does is look up at the ceiling. Any uh, bugs? Yeah, looking for bugs. So she's she's a fierce bug hunter, and she's a she's a bit of a mouser. She's a bit of a little death dealer. Um, but um, I think zombies would be a little much. Cats are my favorite. I always say that with books and cats, I will take over the world one day. <laughs> They're definitely <laughs> a good combination. Stepping away from the cats, even though I find that um, a, a very difficult compelling. thing. <laughs> yes, they are very compelling. So what have you read recently that you think the world should know about? What have I read recently? I'm reading a series by Sarah Painter. I had, uh, I learned about her um, on the Creative Pen podcast. Um, you know, Joanna Penn was, was interviewing her. She's got this urban fantasy series called The Crow Investigations. Ooh. So um, the, I think the first book is The Silver, I'm not sure what the first book is, but Sarah Painter. Um, I don't want to give the wrong, the wrong name. Um, yeah, I, think okay. the, I think the silver mark is the second book. That's the one I'm reading. Um, but I'm really enjoying that. It's, um, it's really a lot of fun. And, um, and then I also, I haven't read them recently, but um, like immediately recently, but I really like Lindsay Pogues after the, um, after the end, uh, or I'm sorry, the Savage North Chronicles. Um, I haven't read all of after the ending, but her Savage North Chronicles are, are great fun too. I have read the first after the ending book um, that she wrote with Lindsay Fairley. Right. Yeah. I haven't read all of those. And then I have the rest of them, but I have not, um, I have not read them either. Well, there's lots of books and like Lindsay Fairley wrote um, a, an urban fantasy series called The Ink Witch, 
and I read, the first yes. one. I read the first one which i really liked um so you know the, reading the rest of the series is on my list but i'm sure you know what that i think like. i own those too i don't yeah, even the, know a big long list of, of stories it takes a, yes a while it's... to get through all those books you want to read I asked my grandmother once what would happen if I read like all the books that there were and she told me that I just could never do that and so I wouldn't need to worry about it yeah, and I suppose exactly. that's true because for every one that I read you know someone writes another one so I, I think she's probably correct oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I will not read all the books there are and if the apocalypse comes, I, I will still have many, many, many. Books You'll still won't get through them all. No, I, I doubt it. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me and tell me that you have two orange cats. <laughs> and let listeners know um, a little bit about who you are and, and what you were of uh, what you're working on. Can you let people know the best place to find you online if they want to do that? Sure. Um, the two best places probably are um, Facebook. I have a, a, a page there, AM Giver Author, um, and it's at, uh, you know, um, at AM Giver. Um, also, my website, amgiver.com. And I'm also on Instagram, you know, using the same handle. Um, those are like the, the places I haunt the most. Awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. And I will be looking forward to all of these things that you talk about having percolating in your mind. Um, because especially like an urban fantasy. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. It's always welcome. Really great to, to um, you know, potentially reach new people and to oh it's always interesting to hear what the the hosts are saying and doing because people are always always doing cool stuff all right so new releases as always i'm starting off with a collection of books that you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated books of august episode and I'm starting out with some young adult fantasy, which is surprisingly one of Stacy's most anticipated releases this month. This is Phantom Heart, and it's Phantom Heart Book One by Kelly Craig. Kristen mentioned the latest book by Australian author Lucy Parker. This is Battle Royal Palace Insiders Book One. Natalia has a couple of great books out this week for her. Um, first up being The Dating Playbook, The Boyfriend Project, book two by Farah Rashan. I really loved The Boyfriend Project last year, so I'm really looking forward to this one as well. And then we have the first book in a new series by Laurel K. Hamilton. And this is the first time she's done a new series in probably about 20 years. This is A Terrible Fall of Angels, Zaniel Havelock, book one. And again, that's by Laurel K. Hamilton. Brooke has a couple of psychological thrillers that she's looking forward to. The first one is How to Kill Your Best Friend by Lexi Elliott, followed by 56 Days by Katherine Ryan Howard. And both of these are on my short list of things to read this month as well. So those are some books that you've heard us talk about before. 
but let's talk about books that we haven't mentioned. I'm going to stick with mysteries and thrillers for a little bit right here. Robin Cook has a new book out this week. This is Viral, and it is a standalone novel. At least it looks to be from the synopsis. Um, a lot of times I'll think his books are standalone, and then I'll see that they incorporate some characters from previous books, but I didn't see mention of them in the synopsis. So this is looks like kind of classic Robin Cook, you know, this outbreak and you learn kind of dark, dirty secrets about the medical industry here in America. It's Viral by Robin Cook. We then have a gothic mystery. This is Velvet Was the Night by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And this takes place in Mexico City in the 1970s. Um, I read a book of hers last year, and it was very, very creepy. So I'm guessing that this one um, will also be, because it's it's mystery with that gothic element, but then also a tinge of horror. So this is Velvet Was the Night by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Megan Collins is releasing The Family Plot this week. And I really enjoyed um, The Winter Sister and Behind the Red Door, which were the, um, her previous releases. So the family plot is about a family who is obsessed with true crime. And when they gather to bury the patriarch of the family, all kinds of secrets come to light. So this is The Family Plot, and it is by Megan Collins. We then have The Getaway by Zoya Stage. This is another sort of mystery tinged with horror. Zoya Stage wrote one of the only books that ever truly terrified me to the point where I couldn't finish it. Um, she wrote a book called Baby Teeth a few years ago, and it really, really messed with my mind. But this is The Getaway. It is about a family who is camping in the woods when they realize that they are not alone in the woods and that what is in there with them is pretty malevolent. It's The Getaway, and it's by Zoya Stage. We then have a couple of young adult thrillers. These are both thrillers that take place in prep schools, so I'm going to talk about them together. The first one is How We Fall Apart, How We Fall Apart, book one by Katie Chow. And it is about this prep school where, of course, people have secrets, right? Because, like, if you're a bunch of rich kids in a super fancy school, of course you have secrets. And when the ex-best friend of our protagonist is found dead, apparently all these secrets are suddenly out in the open. It's How We Fall Apart, How We Fall Apart, book one by Katie Chow. Then we have... Have You Seen Me by Alexandria Weiss. This is about a student who goes missing from a prep school, and she is not the first student to go missing. So where is she? Who is responsible for this? I don't know. I would like to find out since thrillers set in schools are kind of my catnip. But this is Have You Seen Me, and it's by Alexandria Weiss. All right. So I want to move into some fantasy here. Um, I have one adult kind of fantasy romance 
and a couple of young adult fantasies. So we have Requiem of Silence. This is Earth Singer Chronicles, book four by L. Penelope. I read the first book in this series a couple of years ago, and it's so, so excellent. It's Song of Blood and Stone. Um, I think Mika also really enjoys this author's work. So if you're looking for fantasy with a really nice romance running through it, I highly recommend it. This is the fourth book, and it is Requiem of Silence. And again, the author is L. Penelope. Moving into young adult fantasy, we have The Endless Skies. This is by Shannon Price, and it's a standalone fantasy novel about shapeshifting warriors. Um, I really like shapeshifters, especially when they can transform into animals that like aren't just wolves. Um, I've seen some really unique shapeshifting in fiction lately, so I'm pretty excited for this one. It is The Endless Skies. And it's by Shannon Price. We then have Redemptor. This is Ray Bearer, book two, by Jordan Afico. And this is the sequel to 2020's Ray Bearer. It is young adult fantasy with lots of intrigue and a diverse cast with magic that doesn't just pull from like Western civilization. Um, it's a very, very big book that has received a bunch of positive reviews in the year that it's been out. So if you haven't read it, start with Raybearer and then pick up Redemptor. So again, it's Redemptor and it's Raybearer book two by Jordan Africo. And last up, we have a couple of just sort of general fiction titles. Um, the Rise of Light by Olivia Hawker. And Hawker is an author that I've been keeping track of for a little while now. I have not read any of her books, but I do own a bunch of them. Um, they always intrigue me and I get them and then they just kind of hang out in my huge library of books because that's just how things go in my world. But this is um, a story that deals with the expectations of families and what happens when, for whatever reason, someone doesn't fall in line with those. It's The Rise of Light and it is by Olivia Hawker. Last up is Wildwood Whispers. Say that five times fast. It's kind of hard. By Willa Reese. This is, it looks like it has a little bit of magical realism. Um, kind of women's fiction-y perhaps. It's about a woman who journeys to a small town in Appalachia to bury her best friend. They've been friends for like 10 years and when her friend dies she wants to keep a promise and so she goes to the town where she lives to make sure that she's buried properly and ends up kind of finding a lot of things out about herself and her friend. So this is Wildwood Whispers and it's by Willa Reese. And that, bookity enthusiasts, is all I have for you today. I hope that all of you are staying safe and well, um, especially as COVID numbers continue to rise here in the US and kind of frighteningly in other places around the world as well. Mm -hmm. 
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.